Moderna has become a household name, but the last time we talked about the company on this show, it was a different story entirely. That was back in the summer of 2019, just a few months after the company had gone public, and it was still trying to win the support of investors. You know, it's worth saying, I mean, there's, as with all biotech, there's a tremendous amount of risk here. There's risk from all directions. There's risk in terms of competition. There's risk in terms of the kind of things that you think about with any drug. And then there's this massive risk of, like, is this stuff going to work? That was my colleague, Josh Nathan Kazis, back in August 2019, just after he had written a cover story on Moderna and its promising messenger RNA technology. Little did we know how much we'd be talking about the company two years later. I'm Alex Ewell. Welcome to The Readback from Barron's. This season, we're winding back the clock and unraveling the stories of the companies behind the biggest and most fascinating IPOs to answer a key question. How do we put a price on innovation? Today on the show, Moderna's debut was brushed off by investors. Now the company is saving the world. When Moderna went public in December of 2018, I have to admit, I didn't pay any attention. It was one of those biotech IPOs that just didn't register with me. There's never a shortage of companies using new techniques to treat illnesses and disease or just hack our bodies to make them work better. After all, these are companies with big promise and little current revenue. That gives investors the chance to bet on big rewards down the road. And Moderna inspired big bets. Moderna Therapeutics is a very large private biotech company, has just filed an S-1 to potentially raise about $500 million in an initial public offering. Now, this could be a record IPO for the biotech space. The thing about biotechs is they're usually pretty black and white. Their treatments either work or they don't. It's not altogether different from betting at the roulette table. Except in this case, there are brilliant scientists behind the bet and complex regulations. It's perfect for Wall Street's IPO machine. We'll get into that risk-reward dynamic more as this episode unfolds. But you should know that there was a lot of hype around Moderna leading up to its stock offering, largely because it was trying something different and very new. At biotech startup Moderna, they believe the key to treating rare diseases is to trigger the body to heal itself, to make its own medicine. Messenger RNA drugs can make your body produce a protein it is otherwise not producing, which can be very helpful in curing or treating all sorts of, you know, rare diseases, genetic diseases. That's Josh Nathan Kazis, who you heard at the beginning of the episode. Josh has spent the last two years covering healthcare for Barron's. When he wrote his cover story on mRNA, the big idea was that investors, and even folks in the medical field, were underestimating the power of mRNA. Everyone was excited about gene therapy products like CRISPR, which was actually altering our genes. But few people were thinking about the related but different idea of reprogramming the genes we already had. You couldn't list all the companies that have gene therapy programs, but you could list the four companies that were notable within the messenger RNA space before 2020. Moderna was one of the four, in addition to Translate Bio, BioNTech, and Corvex. All of them had pretty sizable valuations, give or take. That brought high expectations as the companies began their IPO journey. Moderna was really the unicorn, so it was the target of a lot of investor skepticism. 
Heading into its December 2018 IPO, Moderna had a value of $7 billion. The issue is that it remains a niche idea, and much of the market either didn't understand the promise or, frankly, didn't care. On the day of its IPO, Moderna drew headlines, but it wasn't quite the debut the company would have liked to see. It is a tough tape today in the biotech space. Biotech sector getting hit along with everything else. Not the best debut one would have liked, but when a stock is down like this, you can say they didn't leave any money on the table. The valuation was really high, and there were questions about whether the valuation was legitimate. I mean, you got to remember that until a couple of months ago, no mRNA-based drug had ever been put into phase three trials, never mind approved. As we'll continue to learn this season, no IPO happens in a vacuum. And the lead-up to Moderna's late 2018 listing wasn't exactly ideal. Secretive startup Theranos was a Silicon Valley darling, garnering a private valuation of $9 billion in 2014. But Theranos' successes started to unravel at the end of 2015, when the Wall Street Journal published the first of a series of stories illuminating problems with its blood testing technology. The scandal left investors even more skeptical than usual about new ideas in medicine. I even had some fairly smart, you know, investors and actually personal friends who thought that it might be like a Theranos, like there's really nothing there. That's Hartaj Singh, an analyst who covers biotech for Oppenheimer. You don't have to be a fraud like Theranos to fail in biotech. But Hartaj was highlighting the risk that always exists, even when well-intentioned companies are working on the edge of innovation. I was actually originally quite a skeptic on Moderna and swung from being quite a skeptic to being quite a believer. With all biotech IPOs, there's a certain need to suspend disbelief. The fact is that traditional investing metrics just don't apply to a company that may hit it big or may never see a dollar of revenue. That's not a judgment on the businesses. It's just a reality of taking big risks on science. And some folks just can't get comfortable with that risk. The way we think about biotech IPOs has to be very different from the way you think about traditional IPOs. That's Aswath Damodaran. We heard from him in the last episode. He's a professor at NYU who specializes in corporate finance and valuation. If you're going to bet on a biotech IPO, you better do some homework at least on the medical underpinnings of the drug. So like a professor to assign homework. But in this case, we're not just talking about reading Wall Street research. Because when it comes to the science, financial folks barely know more than you do. That's why it's one of those areas where I steer away from IPOs, because I think I have a comparative disadvantage against somebody who has a healthcare background, who worked in research in that area, who knows a lot more about that drug than I do. So biotech IPOs for me have always been on the no list, at least until they trade and I have a little more information on them. Because I think that without that sufficient background, you're just buying a pig in a poke. I mean, you're buying it based on somebody's suggestion. Beyond just knowing the science, there are two other factors that make investing in the pharma space tricky. For starters, the process isn't fast. Here's Hartaj again. You go from finding a target for a disease to finding a drug to target that disease and then going through you know, what's called petri dish testing in vitro to animals and then into human beings and finally, hopefully, to commercialization. That process takes about 10 to 15 years, all of it all together. 
Plus, there's always the risk that regulators might call the whole thing off. For any biotech, it's an arduous journey. It's not unlike the road to professional sports. Even the top draft picks in pro leagues sometimes never make the starting lineup. Here's Josh Nathan-Cases from Barron's again. There was a lot of warranted skepticism. I mean, if you jumped at every potentially promising biotech that goes public, you would go bankrupt very quickly. But here's where things get interesting for Moderna. This wasn't just any biotech. This was a company building a platform for innovation. Platform for us means a company that is essentially able to do these steps in a very rapid way and ideally even shorten the time between each step. And each one of the steps involves not just testing, but also manufacturing and scale up of manufacturing, regulatory interactions with the FDA, audits, et cetera. So Moderna found a way to essentially take all those steps and speed them along for you know essentially all the medicines that they're making. If it all worked, Moderna would have a turnkey approach to making drugs. Here's Josh Nathan Cases from Barron's. The chief medical officer said to me, there's no scientifically plausible way this entire technology will only yield one drug or one vaccine. It just doesn't make sense. If it works for an application like a vaccine, it should work for more than one. And that's what got all of us who joined here really excited. So their whole pitch to investors into the market was not, you know, we have this one compound that's going to be great. It's like we're a platform company that is going to be able to offer vaccines and treatments for a whole range of diseases based on our unique approach, which we have figured out in a way that others have not figured out yet. And all that development was going on in a new space Moderna built. I went to their facilities for a story in 2019, and they had this huge factory. Josh described that trip to Moderna's Norwood, Massachusetts factory, formerly a Polaroid plant in his cover story on the company back in 2019. I also went to their corporate headquarters. I think I wrote in the story that it looked like a moderately profitable doctor's clinic. But, you know, out in Norwood at this factory, this facility, they were really getting their systems ready, getting quality control ready, and really manufacturing. I mean, it just looked like a company that was already imagining itself as a commercial stage company and moving in that direction as quickly as they could. But... You know, as quickly as they could in 2019 did not mean late 2020 or early 2021. You know, I mean, their timeline was many more years. Nobody at that office could come close to imagining that they would have a product on the market by the tail end of 2020. That was not in the cards. But neither was a global shutdown because of a pandemic. There's growing concerns about the dangerous coronavirus from China. The number of cases has gone from a few dozen last week to nearly 300 now, and health officials have confirmed that the virus can spread from person to person. First of all, I mean, as we know, the World Health Organization just declared this a global health emergency. For Americans who are watching this, how serious is this? What's keeping you up at night or not? I have a very distinct memory of watching Donald Trump's first press conference about coronavirus. The president, as we know, wasn't particularly worried. Dr. Anthony Fauci, though, made it clear the only true cure would be a vaccine. And that was likely 18 months away. And even that was him being fairly optimistic on the timeline. And like I said, that could be a year to a year and a half. I'm not changing any of the dates that I mentioned. But one of the things that we are going to Moderna had still never brought a drug to market. But from early on, it was a leader in the vaccine race. The company's mRNA platform was about to be put to an immediate test. 
We want to begin tonight with a huge leap forward in the development of a vaccine against coronavirus. Volunteers all across the country began getting shots today as part of the final phase of testing for an experimental vaccine being developed by the NIH and the drug company Moderna. By July, as the vaccine entered phase three testing, Moderna had gone from being known primarily by those in the research and biotech circles to a name the world was counting on. Meanwhile, the stock was up more than 300% since the IPO. There was a huge amount of risk for them going into the phase three study, right? If it didn't work, that was like kind of a huge problem for the company. I mean, not just a huge problem for the world, but also, you know, talk about failing on the biggest possible stage. But as we all know, it did work. The phase three trial showed the vaccine was 94% effective against COVID-19. The FDA granted emergency approval. Recommending Moderna's coronavirus vaccine for emergency use. Final FDA approval could have- By December, Americans were getting their first shots. I'm ready. just incredibly lucky that messenger RNA technology was at the point where it was at the beginning of 2020. And, you know, obviously the investment that went into Moderna before 2020 was a huge part of it. I don't want to discount that at all. Given everything, it's almost difficult to talk about Moderna as a business or a stock. But the reality is, if not for the IPO and all the investment leading up to it, the company wouldn't have been in a position to move so quickly. Here's Hartaj again. They were able to bring a COVID-19 vaccine to the market in one year. The stock was up about 500% in 2020. Now, that usually vaccine would have taken about four years, you know, once it started human trials. So if I told you a company did 500% in one year, you'd be like stunned, right? But if I told you a company did 400% over five years, you'd probably not be that impressed. So essentially what happened was it was five years worth of stock performance that got compressed into one year. As of this taping, Moderna is trialing an updated version of its shot, vaccine 1.1, if you will. The software-like description isn't simply a metaphor. The company has actually taken information about variants and plugged it into the existing framework for its vaccine. In a matter of days, it had an updated shot. Pfizer and BioNTech are also working on a revision to their mRNA-based shot. I think humanity is very lucky to have a Moderna and a BioNTech Pfizer, you know, with their mRNA approaches, because these actually approaches are really, really phenomenally flexible. They can take a new sequence of a new variant and actually get an mRNA ready to test in probably, you know, 15 days or less, and then move it in, you know, through petri dishes and in animals and into human beings very quickly, with the idea being that within six months, they could actually get another vaccine approved against a new variant. We never used to be able to do that. By IPO standards, Moderna's listing wasn't a smashing success. In fact, the listing is what's known as a broken IPO, in that it closed the first day below its offering price. It just goes to show how little we know when a stock makes its debut. So is Moderna lucky, or was it good? The answer is both, right? I mean, obviously, they did something scientifically pretty remarkable, right? They, because of the work they'd done up until that point, were able to come up with an experimental vaccine incredibly quickly and get something into arms and authorized by the FDA. And 
months. So, so that doesn't happen unless you're very, very good. I mean, I, I hate to, I'm not sure how I feel about saying that COVID was a lucky break for them because we obviously don't want to think about it that way, but certainly it accelerated their development timeline. You know, now with 2020 Vision, I think we can say this company would have eventually had a lot of really big products. I mean, they're working on lots of vaccines that are important. And so it was going to happen for them. No one ever had a pandemic as part of the bull case for Moderna. But the bottom line is the company was ready for it. While the IPO was a mixed bag, investors generally got this one right. And so did Josh back when we talked in the summer of 2019. I mean, what about Moderna is so special that investors think it's worth almost $5 billion? Look, I think that they've told a really compelling story about how what they're working on is not just like a drug, but like a new approach to curing disease. And, you know, if this stuff works, you can apply it to a whole range of diseases. It could be the beginning of a wave of new treatments. And if they are the ones that figure it out, they're the ones that crack it, they're, you know, in control of something very powerful and very valuable. Thanks for listening to The Readback. If you're a new listener, welcome. If you've been listening for a while, we're glad to have you back. Either way, we'd love to know what you think of the show. Please leave a review if you listen on Apple Podcasts. Reviews make it easier for others to find the show. You can also email us at thereadback@barons.com. Thanks to Josh Nathan Cases, Hartaj Singh, and Aswath Demodaran. And for more coverage on Moderna, you can check out barons.com. I'm Alex Ewell. The Readback is produced by Meta Lutzhoft and Katie Ferguson. Melissa Haggerty is our executive producer. Next week on the show, From Drugs to Food, How Beyond Meat Remade the Veggie Burger into a Multi-Billion Dollar Business. I was constantly looking for meat substitutes. But even all this time later, there are times when I would just love a burger. The thing that I remember with that IPO wasn't the fact that it did well. It wasn't like Uber or Google or Facebook. I mean, their technology was like food. We'll be back next week.